welcome, 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 welcome in. Thursday, September 16th, 2021, you are listening to the Mostly Legal Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jonathan Rogers, I'll be your host today, as is every week. We got a great show, whoo boy! Week one in the books, lot to talk about. We'll go through some news real quickly in the league. Uh, we'll touch on some matchups, holy cow. Couple stinkers, couple nail biters, all in a good week's work. Um, got another great interview today with the most legal fantasy football owner. Um, yeah, in that interview, we got some great analysis, some good trade talk, and then a pretty shambly game of two truths and a lie. We'll get to that. And then I think we'll round everything out by just kind of looking ahead at what we have up next. Oh boy, it's going to be a good one. Let's get into the news. News team, assemble! Man, so even just since last week's podcast, we've had a lot of stuff going down in the chat. Um, Probably the big piece of news going into week one, so before even a game was played, kind of surprisingly, Deshaun Watson was dropped by Corey Hill going into the weekend. Um, It looked like Corey kind of needed a backup quarterback going into the league and trying to figure out who he's going to start. But there he is, Deshaun Watson on waivers. Uh, this is kind of our first big run to the waiver wire amongst a couple of the guys. Um, Seth, Jonathan, and Tanner, and a couple other people all threw in bids. Going into this waiver pickup, it it's so tough because that blind bidding system, you just never know. You never know how hard people are going to be going after these guys. Um, Jonathan threw up 21 of his fab dollars. So just, I mean, 20% or more of his of fab is nothing to scoff at. But Seth, dog, going hard after Deshaun Watson, 30 bucks, dropping a third of his fab on one guy who's not even probably going to play this season. Honestly, it's a great move. Uh, Deshaun Watson's going to probably sit out the rest of the year with all his off-the-field troubles, but he's got that O designation, so Seth will just slide him into his IR slot, pick up somebody else, and carry on the season as usual. Um, A great move, and one that I wish I could have made. Alas, we move forward. Couple other waiver news uh, to kind of get through real quickly. Um, first waiver claim to really look at was uh, was a little bit of a silly move on Jonathan's part. Um, after watching the Cleveland Kansas City game, I was pretty confident that at least one other person was going to throw some throw some money at Anthony Schwartz, uh, who played a great game, rookie out of Auburn, had a lot of deep balls, kind of seemed to be Baker's downfield target. Um, cough, cough, the Cleveland Browns homer in this league, cough, cough. Alas, no one else threw a claim in for Anthony Schwartz. And so I managed to light $21 of fab on fire. So that's a great start. Um, a couple other guys that were picked up, Tim Patrick by myself. Um, also a colossal waste of fab, uh, put $21 in for him as well. Um, and there were two other bids, both one from Tanner, one from Jacob Black and, They were both for $0, so (laughs) lit about $20 of fab on fire there. And then the other big waiver ad this week was Mark Ingram. Uh, Brennan looked like he was trying to supplement his running back room a little bit, dropping Geo, picking up Mark Ingram, who had a lot of touches for Houston. Also kind of sketch because every other bid on there was $0, so... Brendan, man, we're in this together. We're just gonna, we're just lighting money on fire. It's, it's a good year. It's a good year for that. 
all in all, uh, the first go around of the fab system was was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of money was wasted, um, but lessons were learned, and that's that's what we're here for at the end of the day. So um, now that we've kind of grazed through most of the news, let's run it back. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Starting off with Jonathan versus Tanner, um, unfortunately, this matchup didn't quite live up to the expectations that we had set last week. Um, I'm not going to trash talk about this game. Um, I'm a classy man, but the final score was 137 to 72. We talked last week about how this matchup could come down to the quarterbacks and how it was going to be tight if Joe Burrow lived up to his expectations. Well, Burrow performed pretty well. He hit two touchdowns and threw for 261 yards, but the skill players on Tanner's roster kind of sunk Tanner's chances of winning. Calvin Ridley, Najee Harris, James Robinson, all big go-to guys that ended up torpedoing their slots with only single-digit fantasy points. On top of that, Jonathan had a couple of wild performances from flex players like Corey Davis and Robbie Anderson, who went off big time. Despite the performance of Tanner's team. If I'm Tanner right now, I'm not stressed at all. Najee got 100% of the Steeler running back carries, which means he's going to have the workload necessary to go off any other week. Um, and Calvin really is not going to be stifled all season. He's a top five wide receiver easy. Moving into the next matchup, holy cow, JD Weiss. JD went up against Braden, and JD's team absolutely crushed. Except for a lackluster performance from Justin Herbert and Kyle Pitts, just about everyone else on JD's roster went off for 15 or more points. JD expressly told me not to say this, but it looks as if all the guys he traded back to get in the draft went off and that it had some solid draft capital. Game recognized game, JD. Braden was also off to a hot start after Dak's impressive Thursday night game, but he just did not have the firepower to combat JD. Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, and Saquon Barkley, that that solid young core, all had super uninspiring performances. It looked like Saquon was kind of on a pitch count because of his injury, um, but going forward, it's going to be interesting to see if these young guys can bounce back for Bray in the rest of the season. As advertised, the matchup between Jacob and Matt was a shootout, the likes of which could only be based on a Mahomes-Mayfield game. With Jacob posting the second highest score on the week and Matt posting the fourth highest, both teams would have just about beat anyone else in this league. What makes that stat crazier is that both teams, both of them, had a player lay a total goose egg with both Brandon Ayuk of San Francisco and Russell Gage of Atlanta dropping zero points. Like we said last week, it all came down to who got the targets on the Chiefs offense. Even though Kelsey went off to finish as a top three tight end on the week, Mahomes' F it, Tyreek is down there somewhere mentality resulted in Jacobs' Mahomes Hill stack netting 65 points. That's just about half of Jacobs' total points on the week. This stat combined with DeAndre Hopkins' wild wide receiver performance with Kyler just about made Jacob a world beater. Next up, hey boy, it just about happened. We've all been pretty mean to Brennan this year, but he just about pulled off an upset here. Brennan, who finished up in eighth place on the week, just about shocked the world in his loss to Nick, who was projected to be a 40-plus point favorite. Brennan's performances from Antonio Brown and Tyler Lockett saw him lose to Nick by only 18. 
I'm not sure Nick was ever really that worried because he was in safer hands than Allstate behind Kyler Murray, who finished as one of the top quarterbacks on the week, and Christian McCaffrey, who finished as the running back one on the week in some platforms despite not scoring a touchdown. The next matchup on the slate was Seth versus Corey, and dang, this one was a nail-biter too. Josh Allen did not have a great game, and so Seth was kind of already off to a rocky start, but holy cow, Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, they were able to make up the difference. Adam Thielen had a crazy two-touchdown game, and Brandon Cooks caught five passes for 132 yards. It didn't even matter that Corey started CD and Alvin Kamara and Sterling Shepard, who all went off for more than 15 points. These teams both played awesome. I mean, this is going to be a really tight matchup to watch the rest of the year as both of these guys kind of get their feet under them. The last game on the slate we need to get into was Andreas versus Mitch. And dude, Mitch, we're going to pour one out for you this week. The Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams stack we hyped up last week did not quite come through. Aaron Rodgers posted his lowest quarterback rating of his career in a 3-38 loss to New Orleans. That basically completely eliminated his quarterback and wide receiver one slot. And then on top of that, Dallas seemed way more interested in throwing rather than running. And Ezekiel Elliott caught less than five points. Those big three huge draft capital picks really let Mitch down this week in what amounted to an almost 35-point loss. I don't think this is going to happen too often, so Andreas might have got the luckiest draw of the week playing against Mitch. There seems to be such a low likelihood of Aaron Rodgers ever posting a game like this ever again, and next week, whoever plays Mitch, I would be darn scared. All in all, the week turned out pretty well, Um, and I'm not just saying that it was a good week because the sleeper platform elected me best manager of the week. I mean, that does include part of it, but we'll look past that for now. I also wanted to give a big shout out here at the end to JD. JD won our first weekly fantasy manager award, posting the highest score on the week. Hot dang, JD. Off to a hot start. Now that we've had a chance to look back at last week, let's look ahead at what matchups we have up next. Jumping straight into the matchups. When you just kind of scan over that page, one matchup kind of jumps out. And that's Jonathan versus Jacob Black. Holy stinking cow. Two teams, the tied for first in their division, going up against each other. Huge point totals on the week. 119 versus 118 projected right now. It is going to be tight. It is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jacob's Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stack. Back for more against Baltimore on Sunday night. Against Jonathan's team. Cobbled of a bunch of guys who we hope or at least I hope, can pull it off. This is going to be a good one and a really exciting one to watch over the weekend. The next matchup on the slate to look at is JD versus Seth. Seth's going to run out Josh Allen again, it looks like. Um, High draft capital guy, typically high scoring. He goes up against Miami, hoping to bounce back after a bad week. JD is just out here trying to replicate his week one performance. Justin Herbert's got a great matchup versus Dallas. Cooper Cup going up against Indianapolis, who was torched by Seattle last week. This has a lower projected total score, uh, 117 for JD, 115 for Seth. But it has a potential to get out of hand if these guys go off. The next matchup on the slate I wanted to get into was Irby versus Andreas Gonzalez. 
Andreas, uh, he's got a little personal vendetta this week to come back from. Uh, he was voted the worst manager by the Sleeper platform last week as he left the most points on his bench. That's tough to come back from, but I think he's going to rally around his team right now and get it done. Um, on top of Andreas having a vendetta to come back, Lamar Jackson lost a gut-wrenching Monday night game. Derrick Henry, starting running back, was just stuffed by Arizona. And I, so I think these two players at the top of his lineup are going to be geared up to, to bounce back after a bad week one. But Irby's team, man, they, they're looking really good. Jalen Hurts, Dalvin Cook, Amari Cooper, all huge games last week. And... Not to mention, Irby adds Will Fuller, a draft pick that he took late in his draft. It's kind of a sleeper pick because he was going to be out the first week. And adding another wide receiver into an already dominant lineup looks to be pretty dangerous. Our next matchup on the slate pits Nick Marr against Braden Davis. Um, Nick comes in with a team again that looks just unbeatable. I mean, Kyler Murray at quarterback, finishing as a top five quarterback last, last week. Christian McCaffrey who finished as the number one running back, like I said earlier, uh, without scoring a touchdown. So just imagine what he can do if he did score. And then Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones coming off of a pretty crappy week one, in all honesty. Um, Green Bay looked just awful against New Orleans, but a lot of potential against a really, really, really weak Detroit defense. Um, Nick's looking strong, but in Braden, he's a dog by seven points currently. But with Dak Prescott and Jonathan Taylor in really favorable matchups this week, as well as George Kittle going up against Philadelphia, who is notorious for poor tight end play, apparently, unless your name is Kyle Pitts. It looks like it's going to be a great matchup again, um, and I'm interested to see how this one turns out. Next up, we have Tanner against Mitch. Mitch is pitching out again that Packers stack. Um, and a little stat, whenever Aaron Rodgers gets beat, in the game following an Aaron Rodgers loss, he usually has a, an enormous increase in fantasy points. So look for Aaron Rodgers to bounce back, bounce back in this match. Um, Mitch is currently favored by five points against Tanner, who is slated to start Burrow and Gibson and Harris and Ridley again. Um, this time Tanner, though, will be inserting Devonta Smith, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, into his lineup, uh, who performed incredibly well at his first career start last week. Should be an interesting matchup. I think this game is going to really come down to which one of the wide receivers really hits their potential. Um, it looks like if if Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown hit their ceiling against the teams that they're playing, they're going to walk all over Mitch, but... I think it remains to be seen, and the Packers' revenge narrative may just hold up and and, be, and hold the day. And the last matchup that I want to talk about today um, pits Corey Hill against Brennan Barger. These two teams are neck in neck with a point and a half differentiating the two teams. It'll be another tight one between a couple of teams who are both 0-1, looking for their first win. Um, Corey's throwing out CeeDee Lamb, Tyler Higby, Sterling Shepard, who had a big week last week, in hopes that they can recreate some of the magic that they had uh, just in week one. And Brennan is running out with his ragtag group of running backs, but stacked um, Seattle Seahawks-focused wide receiver room. It'll be an interesting one as well to see if, I mean, Antonio Brown and Keenan Allen can keep up their work. So this will be a good one to watch. And although Corey is projected to win by a point and a half right now, I, I might pick Brennan as as the dog to cover. Based on how the slate has turned out, 
a couple teams are going to be walking away with their first loss, and a couple of teams are going to be walking away with their first win. So now that we've gone through all the matchups, let's get to know another one of our mostly legal fantasy football owners. Well, welcome back uh, to the Most Illegal Fantasy Football Podcast. I am here, uh, this time remotely, not in the studio, with Jacob Black, a fellow fantasy owner. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Hey, you know, let's just go and we'll open this up kind of casually. Just kind of give us a little introduction about you. Uh, yeah, my name's Jacob Black. Uh, I'm an attorney. I went to law school with a bunch of the people in this league who I hope to uh, beat in the coming weeks. Um, and I've been doing fantasy football for probably, I don't know, like close to 10 years at this point. Um, hey. Started, started, I think, in undergrad, um, which unfortunately, oh God, that, yeah, was about 10 years ago. So there's that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm excited because this is my first uh, dynasty league to do and first time doing the fab bidding system on uh, the free agent players so i'm excited to try both of those things for the first time looking forward to it so yeah absolutely yeah this is uh i think this everyone in this league this is their first dynasty experience so it's it's really had kind of a learning curve i mean this last week we had someone drop deshaun watson because he's probably not going to be playing much this year but he might end up playing next year and so there's yeah this, this, that was yeah. a strange drop strange drop just gonna say it <laughs> And so it's just like, it's kind of odd. You have to be thinking like two years down the line and also next week, um, which so far you've proven pretty successful at doing. But so you, so you have a pretty good sample size of, of fantasy that you've been playing. I mean, give us like one or two of your big fantasy successes, like any successful picks or have you dominated any playoff runs? Yes. So uh, it was actually one of my first like, it was either my second or third season, I think, doing fantasy. Um, and it wasn't in a, like, super, you know, competitive league or anything. But basically, uh, Beckham Jr., his rookie year. So, and I looked up the stats because I, I remembered it being, like, he went from nothing to, like, the best receiver in football. And it is pretty crazy. So, yeah, basically, I picked <laughs> up Odell Beckham off of waivers because I looked at it and he was injured for the first four weeks. Um, and so obviously didn't put up any points. And then weeks five to seven, he averaged basically three receptions, 40 yards and a touchdown a game, which the touchdown a game is great, but three receptions a game and 40 yards a game, not that great. But then weeks eight to 16, his average stat line was nine receptions, 133 receiving yards and a touchdown <laughs> per game. Oh and that, and he capped it off with 12 receptions. 185 yards and a touchdown in the championship week um, oh on won the title that year um <laughs> with beckham leading the way in his rookie season um so that was definitely my best get uh more often though you know i do something completely hypothetical like trade high on lamar jackson who proceeds <laughs> to have an mvp season and the team i trade him to beats me in the championship but oh. that's really hypothetically speaking that happened so uh. <laughs> that, uh, hey, we all have our wins and our hypothetical losses uh, yes that's oh my gosh obj that, that's a great pick i mean 
were you just like following waivers and just i mean kind of just picking them up or honestly like at that point i wasn't into like now i you know um usually i'm listening to a few different podcasts and like reading a few different things but at that point it was still pretty early on so i think i was basically reading like matthew berry's like stuff on espn yeah um and i think i kind of alluded to earlier but already this season you're you're kind of on fire man like (laughs) it's one week i don't think we can (laughs) hey i mean one week victory laps are the best victory laps because no one can tell you that you're wrong yet that's true Uh, i'm undefeated (laughs) so uh, so the as we kind of talked about earlier today you you got matt in a shootout pretty good i mean like walk us through the emotions during that game we're were you sitting and watching the game? Like, were you having a casual Sunday and you weren't even watching? Like, were you just tilting, watching Russell Gage <laughs> score you zero points? Yeah. Um, so, first part, what I was doing. Uh, so, basically, for me, Sunday, you know, we could rename it Red Zone Day. Um, <laughs> basically, a Red Zone is just, like, the best parts of football with none of the boring parts of football. And it's, like, seven hours straight of that. Um oh. So it's I, that's basically my usual Sunday plan is watch Red Zone until my eyes are bleeding, um, <laughs> and then um, so. But with my matchup, I was I was definitely concerned after Thursday because he had he has a Amari Cooper who popped off for like over thirty points, um, and but basically once the Mahomes Tyreek double stack on my roster got going, I was. I was feeling pretty good, um, but then I don't, uh, I don't know who Russell Gage is. Um, is that the actor from Get Him to the Greek? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure who you're talking about. It's <laughs> yeah, definitely not the guy that just put up a zero and was out there on the field. Apparently, allegedly. Yeah, I I watched a lot of that Atlanta game, and it as someone who has Calvin Ridley in a separate league, it was like the most disheartening ninety minutes to watch because you're just sitting there watching. I didn't see it. What hat? Like I don't understand what happened. It it just is. It doesn't make any sense because the like the Eagles are notoriously the sloppiest, like poorly run secondary, and so going into the week, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. Uh, Russell Gage were all like clear like starts. It was like it wasn't even yeah. a thought as to whether or not you were going to. And so it, it was just mind boggling to watch. They basically every single every third play was a dump off to Cordero Patterson, who's maybe gonna be picked up on the waivers. Well, okay. So it's apparently it's not Russell Gage, but who would be your favorite player <laughs> on your current roster and, and why? Oh uh, I mean, it's a pretty obvious answer but i gotta go with pat mahomes i mean he is he is to me the greatest nfl quarterback i've ever seen i mean i think you know brady is the goat just because of the rings but just in terms of like pure ability to throw the ball i he's just in a class of his own um so you know and obviously fingers crossed regarding injuries but he just makes throws consistently that it seems like half the league won't even try um and even when he doesn't you know if hill when hill has been out or kelsey i don't know if kelsey's been out much but i know hill has been out here and there um and it doesn't really seem to matter like it'll just it's just the next guy up will have a hundred yard receiving game um and and we talked we talked about this a little bit with matt but 
we all we had a pretty good draft. It was it was a ton of fun. But do you feel like you got any any good deals or any I mean any draft day values, especially now that we have the the first week of the season up? Um, I mean, I feel pretty stacked at wide receiver because I went like not completely zero RB, but like sort of zero RB. I mean, it was I think I didn't draft a running back to like fourth round, third round, something like that. I can't remember. Um, but uh, in terms of value, I think I would have to go with uh, Damian Harris, who I got in the eighth round. So, I mean, he had the fumble at the end of the game, week one game this week, which was not good because Belichick definitely does not appreciate people that fumble. Ramondre also had a pretty bad fumble, so maybe yeah. he won't lose very many carries. But, I mean, he had 23 carries and like 100 yards and I think a couple receptions. Um, but just those 23 carries, I mean, that's finding a running back who gets that many carries week one in the eighth round is um, at least. Seems pretty good right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Damian Harris is, I mean, you might be getting a, a message from me later this week on a trade offer. That dude <laughs> is like sneakily one of the top young running backs. So, so last question, uh, who do you want to beat the most in this league? Hmm. Uh, definitely want to beat you the most. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, well, A, you're the commish. So, you know, that's sort of like inherently a target painted on your back. You know, you get yeah, booed yeah. at the draft. It's like comes with the job. Um, <laughs> but I think you had the best draft strategy, um, which unfortunately I read about after the draft. <laughs> but uh, just in terms of you traded for as many picks as you could in this inaugural draft, um, basically because you're getting relatively more proven commodities in terms of fantasy value. Whereas, you know, in future drafts, we're going to just be drafting rookies, which, you know, I mean, if somebody spends, you know, round one, pick one on a quarterback, there's a good chance they're going to play, but you just don't have any idea how they're going to be in the NFL. Um, whereas, you know, this year, you know, you're getting people who have been in the NFL for multiple years or at least one year in the inaugural draft. And, um, and so I think that was very smart, and I'm jealous of all the picks you had in the first five <laughs> rounds that you got by trading future picks, which may be better, but, you know, I, yeah. I would definitely rather have picks in this draft. So, um, that, Well, you, you kind of saw straight through me there. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> nicely done. Uh, but, you know, I, Matt said the same thing. I can bear I can bear the burden of being the, the most targeted person in this league. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's not great, but um, but I'll wear it. I'll wear it with a badge of honor. You know, I think yeah, I think it's something you should be proud of. You know, <laughs> I I just strike fear and intimidation into the hearts of everyone that I meet. <laughs> and, uh, You're just so intimidating. Yeah, I've I've dealt with this problem my entire life. So I, <laughs> I totally get it. All right, man. Do you want to play some trivia? Oh yeah, that's I was born to play trivia. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so so this trivia for today, it's a little different than last week. Uh, this will be Two Truths and a Lie Fantasy Edition. So we have, three, right. rounds. We have three rounds. The, they're all themed off of something that I, I came up with that I think is funny. Um, <laughs> we'll give... The important we'll give, part. 
yeah, that's the important. This is real. This podcast is really just for me to pat myself on the back every day. Yes. Like, I kind of. I mean, we all know it's a vanity project, so. Yeah, totally. I mean that. I, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of <laughs> like this league. It's pretty, pretty. Simple. <laughs> um. All right. So you'll get three, three quote unquote facts, and one of them is a lie. So, uh, or sorry, no, no. One of them is the truth, and two of them are lies. So oh. It is. It is two lies and a this truth. is like the dynasty draft all over again you're just switching the rules at the last minute that's my job i mean that's the, that's the thing about okay the so two lies and a truth so i need to identify the truth you're trying to find the truth okay right. if you can handle it all right round one sec sec <laughs> all right fact number one a former sec player currently holds the record for the best fantasy season of all time that's number one number two a former sec player has not finished as a top three running back by ppr scoring that's important ppr scoring since 2017 when todd Gurley was the running back one and number three the last sec player to finish as the quarterback one in fantasy football was cam newton in 2015 Oh man, this is tough. Uh, um, I can do him again. Nah, uh, I, I'm almost certain it's not one. Number two gives me more pause because I, I mean, trying to think of who, like Christian McCaffrey, obviously has been a top three guy pretty much for the past. I mean, maybe not since 2017, but he's Stanford, and then you got Dalvin Cook, and he's Florida State. Alvin Kamara. Uh, I don't remember where Alvin Kamara played college. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with. And it was quarterback one on the third one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with option three. Option three is the truth. Yes. Nicely done. Ooh. Yes, the last SEC player to finish as the quarterback one in fantasy football was Cam Newton, 2015. Auburn guy, kind of, yeah. but we'll we'll say Auburn guy. Uh, so number one is a lie. Uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, that one. I need that one. Yeah, for the best fantasy season of all time. It was on the back of his 2006. Because he had, what, like 28? Yeah. Yeah, 28 rushing touchdowns, and it looks like, by the metrics that I've seen, 460-plus fantasy. <laughs> I mean, That's just ridiculous. like – it's insane. And then number two is a lie. Uh, I was trying to get you with the PPR thing. It wouldn't have mattered because Derrick Henry last year was not oh, yeah. even in yeah. PPR. Yeah. Um, he only had 114 receiving yards the whole year, which is typically not enough to finish in the top three. But yeah. when you rush for 2,000 plus yards, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah. Dude, nicely done. Thank you. Yeah, that, you know, <laughs> applied a little law school logic analysis there. Oh, Oh yeah, this is just the this is just the LSAT all over. Again. <laughs> oh God, please no. <laughs> all right, round two. I am inevitable. All right, question one or fact thing one. Since 2019, Adrian Peterson has outrushed Joe Mixon. Fact number two. Frank Gore has over 500 rushing yards for every team in the AFC East. And number three, Tom Brady has played in more Super Bowls after the age of 40 than the Baltimore Ravens have appeared in all time. 
Whew, this is a tough one. I know it's not number two because I know Frank Gordon played for the Pats. He did play for, I think, all the other teams in the AFC. So, um, And then Brady post-40. How old is Brady? 45, I think. Who knows? Um, he might be aging backwards now. Yeah, that's true. Um, Sorry, can you repeat the first one again? Yeah, yeah. Since 2019, Adrian Peterson has outrushed Joe Mixon. You know, I think I'm actually going to go with that one. Go with that one? Yeah, I think it's either number one or number three. I want to say that Ravens have been to at least three Super Bowls, I think. And Brady, let's see, Bucks. And then, like, maybe two Pats ones post 40. So that's like three. So I think, yeah, one. We'll go with one. One's the. Oh, I got you, dude. Oh, I got you. That was, I, that was kind of, that was close, though. So you were exactly right. Frank Gore has never played for the Patriots. So you nailed that one. Yeah. Um, And Tom Brady, so he's played and he's appeared in three Super Bowls since he turned 40. And the Ravens have only been to two, but they've they've won both of them. So they're one one of like four teams that have won every Super Bowl that they've been to. Uh, See, I thought there was one more because I remembered the Lewis and then the Harbaugh brothers. And for some reason, I was like, there's one more. But yeah, no, gosh. Yeah, no, that's that was really tough. So the the Adrian Peterson, Joe Mixon, that one is super tricky because Joe has been hurt a couple of times in a row. Adrian Peterson has just been like a stalwart forever, but and like just to show you how close this it's false, but Joe Mixon has 1,565 yards since 2019 and Adrian Peterson has 1,504. So they're only 60, they're only 60 yards apart, which is that's pretty well. All right. Uh, You got me. You got me. (laughs) All right. Well, dude, one for two is darn good. These are, these are really hard. I guarantee I would not get these. Um, So round three, last round. The theme is he beat who? And two, okay, these are all in the for fantasy year 2020. All right. In 2020, Kareem Hunt finished higher in total fantasy points scored than Nick Chubb. In 2020, J.D. McKissick finished higher in total fantasy points than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Oh, my gosh. I'm just now realizing that this is two truth and a lie so this one is played correctly <laughs> okay so one of the i'm guessing the lie you're guessing the you're guessing the lie this time oh my okay. gosh what a disaster this is <laughs> this is why I, I, no I, you know I'm you gotta get my day job that's what it's just it, you know to bring it to tie it all together you know it's just like <laughs> fantasy football you just gotta adapt <laughs> you gotta adapt that's right oh my gosh all right so he beat who you're this is two truths and a lie you're looking for okay. the lie yep in 2020, Kareem Hunt finished higher in total fantasy points scored compared to Nick Chubb. In 2020, J.D. McKissick finished higher in total fantasy points scored than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And in 2020, Naheem Hines finished higher in total fantasy points scored than Ezekiel Elliott. Oh. So, did Hunt beat Chubb? Did McKissick beat CEH? Or did Hines beat Elliot? I want to go with. I'm gonna go. So I'm pretty sure that Hunt beat Chubb because I think Chubb was injured for a while last year, 
and then and Kareem Hunt did really well and got to be the RV one for a while. And then I think the third one, I want to say is true as well because I remember Zeke not really doing anything and people being mad because Jonathan Taylor wasn't getting reps until like the end of the year and Naeem Hines was getting most of them because I think Marlon Mack was originally supposed to be the starter maybe and he got hurt. I may be getting gears mixed up. So I'm going to go with two as the false one. No, that one is true. It's unbelievable. So I went through the 2020 running back list and I could not, some of these stats I could not really believe. So so Naheem Hines did finish lower than Ezekiel Elliott. Mm. And Ezekiel Elliott was still a top 15 running back. Damn. Unbelievable. Because, I did not realize that. Well, that's the thing is about the narratives that we get going into fantasy seasons. Like you would have thought Zeke finished outside the top 24, but he really was still a top 15, 20 running back. And then Naheem Hines, who kind of, I mean, burst on, had some crazy weeks where he came off the waiver wire and finished as like the running back three or the running back seven because he caught so many passes from dump off King Phillip rivers. Mm-hmm. But you would have thought that he had this big exploding season, but I mean, he was just barely a top 24 running back. So it's kind of, it's, it, it's super odd how we kind of get these impressions based off of just like how people feel about how these people are doing, not necessarily uh, yeah. their stats. So, and that kind of, I mean, that to tie it all back together, that goes to exactly to what you said about week one, like, you kind of got to stay the course for a couple weeks before you start freaking out about players because you just don't know. Yep. Oh yeah. Never. I mean, you can definitely drop people after week one if they're just, they were just a flyer or something, but anybody you drafted like relatively early, just, you gotta, you gotta stick the course unless there's a juicy trade offer for, you know, Damian Harris or something like that out there. Hypothetically um, speaking. Hypothetically right? speaking. Yeah, hypothetically so. speaking. Dude, you crushed the two truths and a lie super hard. Or two lies. Well, and then you switch the rules yeah, mid-game. That, you know, this is just, that's you know, crazy. asterisk, <laughs> collusion. <laughs> collusion. People there are saying this process is corrupt, you know. So. <laughs> there is no collusion here. There is yeah. no collusion. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, dude. Thanks so much for taking time out of your out of your evening to hang out. Where this has been the most fun fantasy league I've been a part of, and it's not just because I get to pretend to be important for an hour a week. It is, it's it's been a really good time. I hope you're having a good time too. Oh yeah, I appreciate uh, getting to play, and you know I appreciate you running the league and doing this podcast. It definitely makes it more fun. I've been a loyal listener through the first two episodes. <laughs> so um, I look forward to many more episodes to come. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can just keep this 1-0 streak alive for the next 16 weeks because now we have a 17-game season. So Can't wait to share this next week with y'all. Um, have a great weekend and, and boober sooner. Be Nebraska.